The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast-paced. It's like a good two-minute drill. We are just boom, 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 right down the field. Opinionated. If they take the David Price savings and the Mookie Betts savings and pocket the money, it will have been a lie, and the fan base will be furious. To the point. Cam is not that guy. He's not the kind of athlete that works in today's NFL for the most part. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas Show right here on Wednesday, WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. If you want to get in on the show, you can. You can reach me on Twitter at WDEV. Radio Brady, and as he does every Wednesday, Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio, who you can hear on this station weeknights beginning at 9 p.m. He will join us at 545. I'm going to change up the plan for today because in radio we oftentimes have a script, we have a plan that we like to follow, and then something happens that changes it. I wanted to start the show today comparing Cam Newton and Kyrie Irving and talking about how Cam Newton is the anti-Kyrie. But I'm going to start here with the news that came out about four hours ago, five hours ago now at this point, about the Vermont Lake Monsters. We predicted that this was going to happen. We didn't want to be right about it, but we were. The Vermont Lake Monsters are not on the list of 120 uh, minor league teams that will keep professional baseball affiliation with the major leagues next season. So if you missed the last six months' worth of rhetoric, here's what you need to know boiled down in 15 seconds. There were 160 minor league teams. Baseball wants to save money. They want to consolidate. They want to get rid of short season. As a result, 160 teams were fighting for 120 spots. Those 120 were named today. The Vermont Lake Monsters are not one of them. What does this mean? This means there will be no minor league baseball in Burlington next season and moving forward. It's been 27 years straight of minor league baseball at Centennial Field, and that will not happen moving forward. Now, it's not 100% official, but it's pretty darn close. A team that was on the list of 120 can turn down their spot, in which case you'd go to another team, but I don't see the Lake Monsters being on that list of backup teams. So for all intents and purposes, minor league baseball done in Burlington. I am really just simply I am sad by this decision. We knew it was coming. We predicted it months ago. We talked about it last week. We we knew that the Lake Monsters would not be a minor league baseball team moving forward, and I still don't feel like I was ready for it. When I actually saw it, and I actually saw the list, and you're scrolling down and you're looking for Vermont, and they're not there, it's something I knew was going to happen. In my mind, I knew that that was going to be the resolution. In my heart, I wasn't ready for it. And it does make you sad, and it does gut you. I am sad that locally... We won't have minor league baseball moving forward. I'm hurt that the tradition of baseball in this market has just been thrown away. The This is an area that long before I ever got here saw Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Larkin, Paul O'Neill, has housed current starters all over Major League Baseball, and that's just gone now. For what? I ask you, for what is that tradition gone for? And the answer is greed. The answer is cost-saving. Look, I understand, right? I'm not naive. I've lived through this pandemic just like you. 
COVID has hurt everyone, and baseball is no different. They wanted to save money before COVID, but now they really want to save money. They went through a whole season with no fans, lost revenue, etc. They want to save money like all businesses want to save money. But this doesn't do much. It's been estimated that Major League Baseball teams need $1 million to operate minor league affiliates. $1 million. That, that is the price of a bad backup left fielder. That's the price of a bad lefty specialist. I mean, that's the price of a guy. I mean, Rusny Castillo, who the Red Sox stashed in the minors, was making like 12 times that. It costs $1 million to run the Vermont Lake Monsters for a major league team, and it's gone now over greed. I get you want to save money, but $1 million, that's not enough to justify this. I mean, and all you've really done here is anger people, hurt people, put people out of a job, and further hurt the game. You've hurt the game, you've injured people's livelihoods, and you've hurt communities. On what planet does this make sense? We knew it was coming, and I'm still furious about it. What planet does this make sense? Let's look at what's being lost here. Communities are being hurt. Community pride, community tradition, community revenue in some cases. Hotels, food spots, uh, workers who, who then embrace the community and embrace their local establishment. That's being gone. That's being taken away. There are 1,000 players now. With 40 less teams, there will be 1,000 players that are out of a job that will never get a chance at the major leagues. They will never get a chance because these 40 teams have been taken away. There will be coaches that never get a chance, executives that never get a chance, broadcasters that never get a chance. Heck, Galen Carr, who is from Burlington, he's high up in player development for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He started as an intern for the Vermont Lake Monsters. He is at the top of player development for the world champion Los Angeles Dodgers. He started as an intern for the Vermont Lake Monsters. Lake Monsters don't exist. Galen Carr's career never happens. That's what's being being taken away. All because Major League Baseball wants to save $1 million. You can't get initiatives going to get more minorities in the game. You can't get initiatives going to get more women in the game. Kim Ng is the new general manager of the Miami Marlins. She's the first woman to ever be in that position. Are we going to find the next Kim Ng? Not as easily, now with 40 teams gone. Baseball has a problem in attracting African Americans to play the sport. Are we going to find the next great African American superstars? Not as easily with four, with 40 teams now no longer playing and no longer existing and 1,000 players out of the job. The great broadcaster that you listen to, there's a good chance that that guy started in the minor leagues in a place like Burlington, Vermont, and now never gets the opportunity. And that is gutting on so many levels. And, by the way, you just hurt the sport as a whole. The individual people that we just mentioned, that's terrible. But the sport as a whole is already losing traction in youth circles. Kids are already gravitating towards lacrosse. So what do we do now, baseball? Well, we take away the fun and affordable option that's nearby, and we make the game even less accessible. On what planet does any of this make sense? It's a business that is hurting itself, and it continues to do so with its lack of marketing savviness, its sometimes antiquated way of thinking, and now its cheapness. This is impressive. 
embarrassing. I don't study the legacy of commissioners, so Bud Selig, he's in the Hall of Fame, but he's certainly got some some stains on his resume. This is a stain on Rob Manfred's resume. I can't tell you he's the worst commissioner that's ever lived. I don't study that enough. But this is a stain on his resume, the fact that he has allowed this to happen on his watch, that communities are being gutted, that baseball is being injured at a time when it was already being injured. It's an embarrassment. And for the people of Burlington, for the people in Vermont, I am gutted for you because I am one of you and I am gutted also. The fact that now we can't go and watch affiliated minor league baseball and see the stars of tomorrow at Centennial Field, that is gutting to me. There are options for baseball at Centennial Field. We will get into what we think is going to happen at 615, but this is embarrassing. No professional baseball, no minor league baseball in Burlington. It's been 27 years. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. It is Wednesday. This is where we do our midweek questions, things that are on my mind here as we move forward throughout this week. Midweek questions. My midweek question is this. I am going to do something here that I never do. And the reason why I never do it is because I don't have somebody on the other side of the glass to answer the phones. But if you care about the Lake Monsters, if you're passionate like I am about this topic, I'm going to open up the phone lines. Here's the phone number. 244 244-1777. 244-1777. 244-137. 244-137. If you want to talk about the Lake Monster situation, if you want to talk about baseball, if you're upset like this about I am, here's my rule. I'm going to answer the phone. There's no one there to screen it. You can't swear. Please don't swear because then I can't take any more phone calls. So if you want to get in on this, you can. 244-1777. Talking about the Lake Monsters because it is just, this is this is a sad day. They're likely, I believe, actually not likely, I believe there will be baseball at Centennial Field next year. But the fact that it won't be affiliated with, with the minors and won't be affiliated with the majors as a result of that affiliation, that is... That is sad to me. I don't know that I'm not the, I don't know that I'm not the only one who cares about that though. Maybe all of you are just okay with any baseball. Am I wrong? I want to hear from you. 2441777. You can also reach me on Twitter at WDEV Radio Brady. And we're getting some response on Twitter uh, as we speak right now. So people getting in on that, people sad by this, people upset by this, people embarrassed by this. Um, this is a tough day. This is a tough day. Somebody said that, uh, let me see. Um, yeah, so many things coming in on social media right now about this as well. Uh, just people, bottom line, people are upset. There's really no way to consolidate all of the answers that I've gotten to this question. Um, everybody is upset by this. People look at this as a loss for the community. If you want to get your voice in, 244 Seven, seven. So that is a number to get in on there. Um, baseball just keeps hurting itself, and and that is painful to me. I love the sport so much, and I love playing it. I love watching it. I love coaching it. I love thinking about it. I love analyzing it. And now it's being taken. It's the 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 Lake Monsters professional affiliation or Burlington's professional baseball affiliation with minor league baseball is almost as old as I am. 
And I think about, I was growing up, I went to Tacoma Tigers games. I lived out near Seattle. Tacoma Rainiers games. The idea that you could go and see a rehabbing Ken Griffey Jr. or a rehab or a young Alex Rodriguez, that meant everything to me. And now, Kids are not going to get that opportunity in the same way moving forward. The Lake Monsters have said that they feel confident there will be baseball at Centennial Field. They have said they feel confident that there will be professional baseball at Centennial Field. But it will not be minor league baseball moving forward. And that, to me, is a huge loss for the community, is a huge loss for people who love this area. I mean, John King... The, the guy for CNN who does all the political coverage, he's got his famous touch screen when he turns the states red and blue and all that. He comes to Burlington every year because it's tradition with his family to go see a Vermont Lake Monsters game. Think about that. A, a CNN national political correspondent comes to Burlington every year just so that he can watch the Lake Monsters. And that tradition is now gone. For what? For the price of $1 million. The Yankees are paying Garrett Cole $35 million a year. That's one start for Garrett Cole. The Lake Monsters could be paid for with one Garrett Cole start, and that's what teams want to save. That is embarrassing. We're all going through a tough time. I respect that baseball wants to save finances. If they need to jack up ticket prices from... $25 to $29 a ticket so that they can make some money back. If they need to charge $8 for the hot dog instead of 650 whatever, I wouldn't love it, but I'd get it. And I'd rather do that than lose a team and lose a connection to the game that a place desperately needs. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEV Radio. Dot com. Uh, the show is sponsored by the all-new Preston's Kia in Montpelier, home of lifetime oil changes and state inspections. Preston's Kia, family-owned and operated, and they will do whatever it takes to earn and keep your business. When we come back, we'll speak as we do every single week with Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, and you can check him out every single weeknight at 9 p.m. right here on this station. Freddie will ask you about the Lake Monster situation. Is he as fed up with baseball as I am in this regard? And his take on Patriots-Rams, which is a very big game in the NFL's playoff picture moving forward. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. That's next right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. One of the nicest guys in sports talk radio, and one of the smartest. We thought the Patriots, that they're very good at keeping information from getting out. They're better than the FBI and the CIA. It's time for our weekly conversation with ESPN's Freddie Coleman on The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Uh, some sad local news we've been talking about. The Vermont Lake Monsters losing their professional baseball affiliation. Still hopes of bringing pro ball back to Burlington, but it won't be affiliated with Major League Baseball. But we've also got Rams and Patriots to prepare for as the Pats try to move to 7-6. and six. And to talk about all of that with us now is our good friend ESPN Radio host Freddie Coleman. You can hear him every single night right here at 9 p.m., except for tomorrow because we've got Patriots football, but most nights you can hear Freddie. So, Freddie, how are you? 
I'm good, Brady. Doing well and being safe, my friend. How about you? Same thing. And uh, disappointed, though, locally. We are going to lose the professional affiliation uh, with Major League Baseball for the Vermont Lake Monsters. And this is happening to 40 teams, 40 communities around the country that have lost their teams as well. Just kind of on a big-picture note, when you hear that a small state like Vermont is losing its only pro team, what goes through your mind? I just think it's terrible. It's somebody who has been a charter fan of the Hudson Valley Renegades who played in the New York Penn League, the same thing, same place that Vermont plays. And just to understand exactly the impact of that, Major League Baseball is just like any other big corporation. When they decide to cut something, they always come for the little people first. And many people wanted that was going to happen in the Hudson Valley Renegades. Well, they've been able to keep their team. They're going to be affiliated with the New York Yankees. But Staten Island, they lose their team. And Vermont, they lose their team. I don't think people can even realize how big this is from not just an economic impact, but also, Brady, a cultural impact. A lot of people plan their summers around minor league baseball in areas like Vermont or in Fishkill, New York, and other places like that. And there are a lot of jobs that are going to be lost because a lot of people rely on that team, rely on that stadium for income and revenue, and also make sure they have money in their pockets to help out a little bit at home. So Major League Baseball says they understand they don't understand, Brady. They don't give a you-know-what because it's all about what's going to be best for them. And anytime somebody says that, it's always the little people that get hurt the most. Well said and certainly really no easy way to transition, but I'll do the best I can to go down to the Patriots because the Patriots and Rams have a big game on Thursday night football. And a couple of weeks ago, it didn't look like this game would be that big. But here the Pats are at 6-6. Six and six. I guess what's your gut tell you on this matchup tomorrow? Well, one of the things about the Patriots is that we've seen that they are going to continue to battle. They're going to continue to adjust to their personnel. And that was an aberration last week, but I give them a lot of credit. Not too many times can you have two special teams touchdowns like they were able to have. But this is going to be their identity. We've talked about this before, Brady, and they should not get away from it. You have to be able to run the football and incorporate Cam Newton in the passing game. you got to play tough on defense. They've gotten a little bit better at that with the Patriots as far as that goes. But you can't allow other teams to take away your identity and make you a team that plays left-handed because Bill Belichick has been so good at that throughout his Hall of Fame career as a head coach in the NFL, especially the Patriots. So this is the kind of team that they go into a game like this. A lot of people look at them and say, okay, what do the Patriots have? What can they possibly do? The Patriots are going to say, look, we're going to come after you. We're going to do things in the design to, to shift things in your eyes and make you think about one thing and we do another. But more important, it's about your identity. Good teams never allow other teams to take away their identity. If the Patriots can stay with that running game, keep the score close, and find a way to win a game at the end with their defense and their running game, they're going to be in pretty good shape as we go into the final quarter of the NFL season. Patriots are a run-first team. Cam isn't doing much with his arm, isn't asked to do a whole lot with his arm. Do you think Cam likes playing this brand of football? That's a good question. I'll say this. He has no choice whether he likes it or not because when you don't have playmakers on the outside that you believe in, then you have no choice but to adapt to whatever the game plan or whatever the style of play is going to be. I don't think he minds being the biggest, baddest guy in the football field because that's what made him successful in that football league, Brady, where he's been an MVP because he was able to impose his will on the game. And a lot of that was because of him running the football and knocking over people and getting those first downs and getting those touchdowns and igniting his football team, igniting the players on his team. So I don't think he minds playing it this way. I'm sure he would love to push the ball downfield a little bit. But when you don't have the receivers that can do that consistently, then you have to go along with what's going to be the game plan and make things better. And for the last couple of weeks, it's really worked. They won 20-17 to 17 over, the, over the Cardinals. They beat the Chargers last week 45 to nothing. And think about this. They're a fumble away against Buffalo, 
and a bad possession late against Houston for maybe having a six-game winning streak. And they were talking about this team being an AFC contender outside yeah. of Kansas City and outside of Pittsburgh. So they like their chances. But the scale's going to be very unforgiving. they got the Rams, as you mentioned, tomorrow night. They're at Miami. They're home versus Buffalo. And then they get the bye week known as the New York Jets with this to win that game <laughs> at the end of the year. So the next three weeks can be really critical, and it starts tomorrow night. They get a win over the Rams. All of a sudden, we got to start talking about them maybe a little bit more sneaking into the playoffs and being a pain in the you-know-what to anybody they could possibly play if they get into the playoffs. If you're the Rams on defense tomorrow, how do you? what's the game plan against the Pats? Eight-man front, because I'm trusting that with the kind of corners that they had led by Jalen Ramsey, nobody in the passing game should scare you. So I'm, I'm thinking right now, I'm not going to let you run the football on me. I'm aligning myself in the gaps. I'm going to make sure that we try to grip Aaron Donald to have one-on-one blocking. I let my linebackers run downhill. I'm daring the New England Patriots, Brady, to beat me throwing the football, beat me throwing the football over the top. Now, if they're able to do that, you tip your captain and say, hey, well done by you. But there's no way that should be a different game plan if you're the Los Angeles Rams defense. You look at the Patriots and say, not here, not today. You've got to face a lot of second and third and long. And when you do, that plays in our favor, and it's going to play in a disfavor for you against the New England Patriots. That's the game plan I would come with on defense if I'm the Los Angeles Rams. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio host. You can hear him tonight, 9 p.m. He's with us every single Wednesday at this time on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. You know, we all love Cam. I love Cam. But is that partly based on how little money he is making? Like, would we love him playing like this if he was making $20 million a year? Or am I being blinded by he's not making any money? I think you're probably blinded by the fact he's not making any money, although we don't need a GoFundMe page for Cam Newton. I think he's <laughs> going to be okay with his finances this year. I think Cam Newton is the kind of spot that people want him to succeed because for 20 years you've known nothing but success with Tom Brady being the quarterback of the Patriots, and nobody wants to have their team being near the heights of the height and then retreat back to the also ranch, which is where the Patriots are right now. And we had to have seen that coming with all the defensive losses they have with guys popping out in injuries and also old number 12 not back there on the center. But Cam Newton has continued to fight and battle for this football team. And even when he got benched in that game against the Kansas City Chiefs, he didn't mope. He didn't have what I like to call a moose face where he's just looking all pitiful and everything <laughs> like that. He supported Jared Stidham. And he said, whatever is going to happen going forward, I'm going to be the best team that I can possibly be. That resonated so much in that locker room and with Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft when it comes to the ownership of the New England Patriots. Because if it was three, four years ago, Brady, there's no way he would have reacted that way. The fact he reacted that way, got back on the field, and he played reasonably well, considering that he has not had any kind of weapons around him that Tom Brady had all those years, or an offensive line that has been slim shady this year with Cam Newton behind him. The fact he was able to do that and stay the course says a lot about him, and I'm sure that a lot of people did not think that kind of maturity was going to be there if he encountered any kind of turbulence regarding him being the starting quarterback in New England. Freddie, you're probably more in the know on this than I am, because I just don't pay much attention to teams outside of our market very often, but Carson Wentz, Matthew Stafford, are they guys that are actually acquirable, or is their money so bad that they're not worth it for the Patriots to look at them next year? Well, I want to acquire Carson Wentz. That contract makes him uncuttable because even if you try to move on from him in Philadelphia, that's going to be $60 million in dead cap money they have to pay. And that contract that he has, nobody's even want any part of that. That's a Philadelphia Eagles problem that they got to figure out. But Matthew Stafford is attainable, in my opinion, especially when they're going to have a new coach next year. That new coach may want to start over and bring in somebody else to draft a quarterback. But if they don't, you still got a guy that still has more than a couple of years capable if you're Detroit. 
But if I'm the Patriots and I'm a Cam Newton fan, but the chances there to get a guy like Matthew Stafford that can make your offense better, that can allow you to push the ball down the field, and you give him some requisite playmakers that he needs on the outside or a tight end that he can trust in with that running game, all of a sudden you've got the making of something there if you're the Patriots. So the Patriots are very good that they don't let their they don't let their they don't let anybody know what their intentions are going to be. Many people believe that they were not going to go after Cam Newton. That's it. When you don't hear anything about that, that's when something could happen. They wind up signing him. If you're not hearing anything about the Pages and Matthew Stafford, that does mean they're not looking to see exactly if it's possible, if he is attainable, that they're going to explore every option to make sure that it can work out, that they can bring to the Patriots and move on from Cam Newton even after only one year because he's a better quarterback for this team than Cam Newton is. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. Check him out tonight, 9 p.m. with us every single Wednesday here on the Brady Farkas Show, helping us get ready for the uh, Rams and Patriots tomorrow. Pat's looking to move to 7-6. and six. Freddie, as always, we'll look forward to hearing you tonight on your show. Sounds good, my friend. Continue to be safe, Brady, and I'll talk to you in seven days. Yeah, you as well, and we'll talk to you again next week also. There he goes, Freddie Coleman. So, uh, Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, him, Ian Fitzsimmons, 9 p.m. tonight. Um Wow, a lot of stuff to digest there, and the, the guys are already at work working on cutting up some stuff to uh, for us to react to in our takeaway section after the top of the hour. I mean, the idea of Matthew Stafford to New England, that's something that is interesting. Carson Wentz is a name that I've heard out there. We'll address that later in the show as well. A lot of stuff on the Rams and Patriots game that I liked. I like what Freddie was saying about the Rams' defensive plan. If I were the Rams, I would absolutely uh, go after the Pats and just try to stack the box and make Cam throw. Heck, I'd put 10 in the box if I had to there. That's what I would do if I were uh, Los Angeles and just try to take away the run game because that's all that New England can do. They're not going to beat Jalen Ramsey in single coverage. Well, man, they're not going to beat Jalen Ramsey in any kind of coverage. So I think that what stood out to me most there also is, is the thoughts on minor league baseball, that Freddie is there telling you also, like, he, Freddie Coleman works at ESPN Radio. He's got access to the best players in the world, some of the best venues in the world, and some of the biggest connections in the world. And he's telling you, I like Hudson Valley Renegades games. He knew what the New York Penn League was. He knew who the teams were, and he's telling you that he liked it. This is an impact. This Minor League Baseball has an impact on people. It has an impact on communities. I got a text in from Pat Nessex a little while ago. And it was a long text, so I'm going to paraphrase it. And he said, this is a bad day for baseball. This is a bad day for the community. Minor League Baseball is so special because of the closeness, because of the accessibility, because of the access that you have. You can never get that close to a Mike Trout when he's on the Angels. But you can get that close to Mike Trout when he's playing at low A. And you could say you saw him when. My college roommate went out to see Steven Strasburg pitch in Syracuse. I wish I had gone because I'll never get that close to Steven Strasburg again. And it was in AAA for the Nationals affiliate. It's a gutting thing that happened today where the Lake Monsters have lost their professional baseball affiliation. What we'll do, we'll have more on that uh, coming up later in the show. But first, do I think the Patriots like playing this brand of football? That's up. Then takeaways on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. 
Com. Reminder to subscribe to the full show podcast. If you ever miss any of the show or any of our exclusive interviews and some of our bonus content, you can find it uh, by subscribing to the Brady Farkas show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or simply at WDEVradio.com. Remember, no show tomorrow because we have Patriots football coming up. Coverage starts at 5.30. Bob Sosi, Scott Zolak, and the crew, they will have coverage. Patriots, Rams kickoff at about 8.15. So we will have more on the Lake Monster situation coming up in about 20 minutes. But uh, we just spoke with Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio. We'll get to our takeaways on that interview uh, momentarily here. But I asked Freddie this question. I asked him, do you think Cam Newton likes playing this style of football? Cam is a starter. Cam has led the team to a winning record. He's 6-5. and five. But do you think that Cam likes playing this style of football? And then while we were in commercial break, I was I was kind of looking over the guys, and I go, you know what? Maybe it's bigger than Cam. Do we think the Patriots like playing this style of football? And that's where I want to start now because I heard Keyshawn Johnson earlier this week on ESPN Radio say this about Bill Belichick, and this is what spurred my mind to this whole thing. But maybe Bill Belichick is liking this style and figure, okay, I'm going to change what we've done over the last 16 or so years and start to do a little more of this and roll into 2021. So Keyshawn says maybe Belichick likes it. I asked Freddie if maybe Cam likes it. So now I'm just wondering in general, you know what? Do the Patriots like this style of football? And that's where I'm going to go here before we get into our Freddie takeaways. And it's an interesting question because it's loaded because there's so many different parties involved here. So let's run through them. Ownership is the first group. Do we think the Crafts like this style of play? Do they like what they're watching? I think for this year, the Crafts don't care. The Crafts love the Patriots. Robert Kraft saved the Patriots from moving because he loved them. He is a Patriots fan in addition to being a Patriots owner, and I'm sure the others in his family are too. For this year, I don't think he cares what the product really looks like. They're winning. They're winning enough to be interesting, relevant. They've kept prominence in the league circles and in the marketplace. They've had five primetime games, none of which have been flexed out. Yeah, they played Sunday night football against Baltimore, Sunday night against Seattle, Thursday night against the Rams tomorrow, Monday night they had a game against the Jets, and then Monday night against uh, Buffalo, which is upcoming this year as well. So five primetime games, all of which they've kept. They haven't been flexed out. And remember, there's no fans in the stands, so they don't have to worry about playing a style that appeals to the to the fans. And I think there are owners that think that way. Jerry Jones likes to play a fan-friendly game in Dallas. He likes, hey, let's have the flashy stars. Let's have the big names. Let's sign Amari Cooper. Let's sign Ezekiel Elliott. Let's make the splashes happen because we've got a 100,000 fans in the stands in this palace of a stadium. We need to entertain these people. And this year, that is not a concern for the New England Patriots. I don't think Robert Kraft minds that this year the style of play isn't really aesthetically pleasing. I think he says, look, we're winning enough games to maintain relevance. We're 6-6. Six and six. We're still in the playoff race here in December. People are still talking about us. Our fans are still interested. We have a charismatic quarterback in Cam Newton. We still get tons of coverage. And there's no fans in the stands to boo or be upset or disappointed in the way we are playing. For this year, I think Crafts and ownership is fine with what they're seeing. Ultimately, when the fans come back, they like to see an offense 
that is more evolved. They'd like to see a team that plays a little more stylistic, a little more artistic. You know, he'd like to see them be a little more fun. But right now, with no fans there, it just doesn't matter. I think what Robert Kraft thinks is just be interesting, be relevant. And with Cam and a 6-6 six and six record, they are both of those things. And that ultimately is what matters. Five primetime games, all of which they've kept. Good local media coverage, still local media coverage, national attention. That's got to make the Crafts happy. So then you move to Belichick, which was what Keyshawn's initial thing was. Does Belichick like this style of play? Run first, limited passing, straight out of the 1970s. Straight out of nine. The Patriots, by the way, the Patriots have won two games now in a row with less than 100 yards passing. 84 against Arizona, 69 against the Chargers. The last team to win three games in a row with less than 100 yards passing, I believe, was the 88 Patriots, which was our guy, Doug Flutie, quarterbacking that team. So this doesn't happen very often, but this is straight out of, you know, late 80s Patriots, but really like 70s football. This is what they're doing. Does Belichick like him? I think he does. I think Keyshawn's right. I think Belichick likes this. I do think... Ultimately, he would love to be able to score easier and move the ball through the air. I don't think he wants to do this offense forever. I think he would like to be able to be explosive because that ability covers up some deficiencies that right now this team just has just can't do. This team can't cover up its limitations like an explosive offense would allow you to. They have to be perfect, and that is very tough to be and very tough to repeat over and over again. But again, on a one-year off, you know, on a one-year detour, I think Belichick is loving this. He likes the physicality. He likes the toughness. He likes being able to establish that physicality and establish that toughness. And that's what comes with this style of play. He likes setting the tone. I think he likes being able to simply outwork people because that's what this team has to do to be successful. The Chiefs can get by on talent. The Aaron Rodgers can get by on talent. Russell Wilson can get by on talent in a lot of situations. This team can't do that. And I think Belichick likes imparting that toughness and that will because as the years go on and these young players mold into veterans, they're going to be better for having gone through this season as a whole of challenges, but also this season full of challenges. And you're going to see guys that have been callous, that have been made tough. And when the team can get a little more explosive, they're going to remember this. And they're going to have that same attitude and that same mentality and that workmanlike ethic, that work ethic going forward. I think Belichick thinks that this is a great foundation for what he's laying. Now we get to the question that I asked Freddie. I asked Freddie, do you think that Cam likes this style of play, and here's what here's what Freddie told us. He has no choice whether he likes it or not because when you don't have playmakers on the outside that you believe in, then you have no choice but to adapt to whatever the game plan or whatever the style of play is going to be. I don't think he minds being the biggest, baddest guy in the football field because that is, that's what made him successful in the National Football League, Brady, where he's been an MVP because he was able to impose his will on the game, and a lot of that was because of him running the football. So that was Freddie's answer. Does Cam like this style of play? Freddie says he doesn't have much of a choice. I think he likes being the guy. He doesn't trust weapons, so he kind of has to do this. This is really hard, and I thought this when Freddie was saying it in real time. This is really hard, like most things with Cam. This is really hard for me to say. 
I think Cam likes winning, which he's done. Cam is six and five this season. They're six and six. He's six and five. I think Cam likes the freedom to do what he's always done and be mobile and a team that embraces who he is and who he wants to be. Carolina tried to restrict that as he got older. They were trying to protect an investment. The Patriots don't have to do that, so Cam's able to play more free, more loose, and the way that he wants and have that run game be a part of it. I think he likes that. But I think Cam also cares about his legacy, and this is what makes it tough. I think he would like to be able to play a brand of football that is more consistent with other top quarterbacks. I think when he was younger, it was fun to be different, to break the mold, to be a trendsetter. But now, he's peers with Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers. He's not the young guy breaking the mold anymore. He's in with the rest of them. And I think because of right now his inability to throw, he won't be mentioned alongside of them. And I think that will ultimately bother Cam. As much as he knows running is part of his legacy, and his legacy is also spurning other mobile quarterbacks, I think he'd like to be able to be more dynamic through the air because he knows that that's ultimately how you are measured and how that stacks up. So I also continue thinking, and it's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. I think Freddie's right. I think Cam likes being a physical presence, but I think Cam came to New England to kind of rehab himself. And there's a lot of different ways in which I think he came here to rehab himself. So I'm trying to wonder... Is Cam happy with how things have gone for him in New England? He's gotten to play. Of course he's happy about that. But if he came here to rehab himself, is he happy with the product that he is right now? I think he is. I think that Cam Newton will look at this as not a home run. There are some warts here. But I think Cam Newton will look at this as a leadoff double for sure. He's got to be happy about what's happened in New England. Okay, first and foremost, I think he wanted to prove that he's a winner, and he's 6-5. and five. He is proving that to people. He is capable of winning games in this league, and look at what he's done. In the face of the pandemic, late signing, no training, or minimal training camp, doesn't even get the playbook until July, he knows he's overcome adversity to be 6-5. and five. They've also had a tough schedule. They've played the NFC West, the best division in football. They've played the AFC West, a, te- a division that might have two teams get to the playoffs and have the rookie of the year in Justin Herbert. And by the way, he's 3-3 three and three in those matchups. He's beaten Arizona, Las Vegas, and the Chargers. He's lost to Seattle, San Francisco, and in Denver, he didn't play against Kansas City. He's got a chance, if they beat the Rams tomorrow, to go to 4-3 and three against those two divisions. That is a heck of a thing to accomplish in this year of all others. And then... He gets coronavirus. That's a lot to overcome to be 6-5. and five. He wants to prove he's a winner. How could he not be happy with what he's done right now? To get to 6-5 and five in the face of the tough schedule, getting COVID, the lack of weapons, etc., massively impressive. Two, I think Cam wanted to prove to Carolina that they made a mistake in getting rid of him. And in his mind, he's probably doing that. The Patriots have a better record than the Panthers do. And look at what the Panthers have. The Panthers have what Cam would want. They've got Curtis Samuel. They've got Christian McCaffrey. They've got the new head coach. They've got the shiny new play caller from the college ranks. And Cam is 6-5, and five, and the Panthers are out of the playoffs and have three wins. I think they're 3-8. and eight. I think Cam is proving in his mind that he was always a better fit in Carolina. 
I think he wanted to come out and prove he was healthy. He's missed one game for coronavirus, has not missed a game for injury, has only been on the injury report twice. His replacement in Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater, he's missed games. Drew Brees in his old division has missed games. I think he's shown that he can be healthy, and that mattered to him too. Like, so far, we're three for three here on things that have to make Cam happy. Four, prove he's a leader, mature, good teammate, coachable, well-respected. Check, 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 and check. We've been on the Cam Newton is a good guy train here for months. He's proven that. Mature, coachable, respected, able to elevate his teammates because they believe in him. The one thing I think Cam would have to look in the mirror and be upset about and be disappointed in, he hasn't proven that he is what he once was. He has not. He hasn't showed the old arm that he used to. He hasn't replicated his past performance like I think he thought he could. I think when Cam goes to bed at night, he's happy with a lot of things that have happened in New England. I don't think he's happy that he's not able to put up the kind of offense through the air that he once was. I think he thinks that he should be on the level of an Aaron Rodgers, of a Drew Brees, of a Phillip Rivers. He should be mentioned in the same light as those veteran quarterbacks, as Russell Wilson. And he's not going to because he hasn't been good enough with his arm. And I think that will eat at him. All in all, that's why it's a leadoff double, not a home run. He's got to value a lot of what's happened in New England so far. The the ability or inability to pass like he used to or pass like other quarterbacks do, I think that will haunt him as well. So Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. So usually for a Sunday game, we do uh, the we start out the week here on Wednesday with Know Your Enemy. We start giving you some little tidbits on what's going to happen with the Patriots opponent. Well, we got a game tomorrow, people. So with the game tomorrow, we're going to go through our uh, three big questions we do for the Patriots. On Friday, we do our six-pack of questions, the last three of which are Patriots questions. So, guys, let's get the music going here, and let's get into it. All right, Patriots and Rams, it's our three big questions for the Pats game. Again, we usually do this on Friday. By the way, this is a huge game. Coverage is going to start at 5.30 tomorrow. This is a huge game. The Patriots currently have a 13% chance to make the playoffs. 13%. If they win, that percentage gets more than doubled. If they lose, it gets more than cut in half. They have to win this game. So, question one. The Patriots win this game if, fill in the blank, dot, dot, dot. The Patriots win this game if they can get good. I got two of them. I got two of them. Sorry, guys. I don't, like, I know I'm supposed to give one. I'm giving two. They can get good play out of their linebackers. The linebackers are hugely important here. Linebacker had been a major weakness of this team for much of the year. Slow, inexperienced. They missed Dante Hightower. Linebackers getting better. Chase Winovich has played more and played well. Anfordy Jennings, Josh Uche, Jawan Bentley, they've all been better. If those linebackers can remain disciplined against all the disguises of Sean McVay and they don't get wrapped up in the bells and whistles and the motion and this and that and the other and they can stay disciplined, they don't get confused, that's going to go a long way towards the Patriots being able to win. They also need to be able to tackle in space. The, the Rams are a quick strike offense. They will go fast. They will play with tempo, a lot of quick throws, and they will try to hit big plays off of those throws. They'll do speed outs with Cooper Cup. The Rams like to play fast. 
The Pats can't get confused, can't allow chunk plays. They need to be able to tackle in space. If they can do that with the linebacker position, keep things in front of them. Look, the, the Rams are third in yards. They get a lot of yards, but they're 17th in the NFL in points. They don't always finish drives. If the Pats cannot allow them to bounce up and down the field quickly, they can they, they can make it even more difficult for the Rams to be able to score. That's all what I'm looking for here. Can they make it difficult for the Rams to score? If they can limit drives to five plays, six plays, and not 12 plays, well, then obviously they'd have a better chance to win. Remember this, too. Patriots and Patriots disciples have had good success against Sean McVay. Belichick beat him in the Super Bowl. He knows how to game plan for McVay. Beat him in the Super Bowl. But Brian Flores and Joe Judge, two Belichick disciples, they held the Rams to two of their three lowest scoring totals of the year. So Belichick's done well against McVay. Joe Judge did well against McVay. And Brian Flores dominated McVay. The commonality there is the Belichick coaching tree. I, I have no doubt in my mind. I'll get my prediction here in a minute. I have no doubt in my mind, though, that the Patriots' defense will be able to to come to play. The second key for the Patriots to be able to win this game, they win this game if they can control the tempo. It sounds cliche, but we've heard a lot this week the word identity when it comes to the Patriots. They've got to keep their identity. They've got to be able to run the football. If they can stick to their identity on Thursday, tomorrow, the best way to slow down an offense is to keep them on the sideline. If the Pats can run the ball, churn clock, First down, first down, first down. Death by a 1,000 cuts and keep that Rams fast offense off the field. They can win this game. But they need to be able to run the football, establish a physicality, establish a tempo, and control it. This is a battle of wills. The Rams want to play fast and frenetic. The Pats want to slow it down, and they want to turn it into a slog. They were able to do it against Arizona. The Patriots played the way they wanted to against Arizona. Got some help from special teams. Can they do that again? Can they control tempo? If they can, they got a good chance to win tomorrow night. On the flip side, question two, the Patriots lose this game if dot, dot, dot. The Patriots lose this game if fill in the blank. If the Patriots get crushed on first down, I think first down is going to be massive in this game. First down is always important, but it's less important to Russell Wilson. It's less important to Patrick Mahomes. It's critical for the Patriots tomorrow night. If they get into second and 12 and third and eight, they're done. Like th this offense is not built to throw the ball in third and eight. They, they can't have that. The Rams secondary is too good for New England to be in obvious passing situations. They're the Rams are essentially the best in the league against the past. Against the past. Jalen Ramsey, Troy Hill, John Johnson, Jordan Fuller, they are limiting passing attacks to less than 200 yards a game, third in the NFL, and they allow the fewest yards per pass play. They can tackle. They're physical. They've shut down some good offenses. Jalen Ramsey took DK Metcalf in Seattle out of the game completely. The Rams make very good secondary. If New England ends up in obvious passing downs, they can't win this game. They need to be in third and three or less constantly. And in order to do that, they're going to have to be physical. And they're going to have to establish that tempo and get the run game going because they're not they're not winning this game from third and eight. That's not going to happen. All right, time for prediction time. Patriots are 6-6. Six and six. They have won, man, they've won a couple games here in a row. They've played great the last two games against Arizona defense special teams. 
timely on offense. Great all around against the Chargers. Do I think they will do it again? I feel guilty saying this. I feel like I'm cheating saying this. But I never thought the Patriots were going to win out. I've never thought that the Patriots were going to win out. I can't pick them to win tomorrow. I think the Patriots are going to lose 19-14. to I think the Rams win this game by five. I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be the way the Patriots want it. But I think that the Rams are going to do just enough on offense and have a good enough defense to, to beat the Patriots. I never thought the Pats were going to win six in a row to end the season. So they got to get a loss somewhere. I think they can beat Miami next week on a, on a long week for them. I think they could beat Buffalo at home. And I think they can beat the Jets. they got to get a loss somewhere. And I think that loss is coming tomorrow. It's going to be ugly. 19-14. That's my prediction. I feel guilty saying it. I feel bad saying it. I hope that I come back on Friday and that I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. I think it's a one-possession game. I think the defense plays great. I think that what the issue is going to be is that the Patriots can't rely on special teams. You can't. When special teams' big plays happen, it's a nicety. It's a bonus. But it's not not something that you can count on. Blocking a kick for a touchdown, a punt return touchdown, missed field goals, that stuff happens occasionally. And the Pats have got it two weeks in a row. It can't happen three. Against that defense and that secondary, I don't think that the Pats are going to be able to throw the ball. They're going to, if, they are, if they are able to, it's going to have to come from play action because Cam's not just dropping back and beating Jalen Ramsey. That's not going to happen. And I think the Rams are good enough and disciplined enough and well-coached enough to not take away the run, but to limit the run. And I think they do enough on offense that they win this game 19-14. I think the Pats will be 6-7. and seven. They will have a 6% chance to make the playoffs after it, and they will have a chance to win their next three games. The Patriots, I think they definitely can finish 9-7. and seven. But I don't think they're going to win tomorrow. I never thought they were going to win six straight to end the season. they got to get a loss somewhere. And for me, that loss comes tomorrow. I hope I'm wrong. For Patriots fans out there, which there are a lot of you, I'm sorry to say that. I feel guilty saying it. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. When we come back, by the way, remember, 5.30 tomorrow with the pregame show. So no show tomorrow, 5.30 with the pregame show. And then... uh, We will have the kickoff at about 8.15, 8.20. When we come back, more on the Vermont Lake Monsters situation. The Lake Monsters say there's going to be professional baseball at Centennial Field next year. They're confident in that. But does non-minor league baseball interest you? That's coming up next. Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. This is Freddie Coleman of ESPN, and you're listening to Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV and WDEVradio.com. Thank you, Freddie. Freddie was with us earlier in the show on the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. you miss any of that interview, you can find it on our podcast channel. So just subscribe, rate, review, and uh, we certainly do appreciate all of you that do. The numbers on that are just mind-blowing. Everybody in here is really proud of what we're building and uh, really grateful for all of you in helping us build it. So we'll get to our daily dose of Doug in a couple of minutes as we hear from Flutie, but I want to get back into this Lake Monster situation. The Lake Monsters have said that there will be, in their estimation, professional baseball at Centennial Field next year, but it will not be affiliated with Major League Baseball and will not be a minor league team. So if it's not going to be minor league affiliated and it is professional, then that leads me to believe that it's going to be an independent league. And 
we talked about this last week as being an option that we really thought could happen. I didn't want this option. I wanted a college league team to be here, a team in the NECBL, but an independent league team we acknowledged could be the case. Would an independent league team interest you? It's still professional baseball, but it's not affiliated with the minors. Would it interest you? It would not interest me. Not that much, no. And I feel bad saying that too. Just like I feel bad picking against the Patriots, I feel bad saying that because I want there to be baseball in Burlington. I just wanted there to be college baseball. I'm not saying I'll never go, but I'm less inclined to go. I'm less inclined to be interested if it's independent baseball. These are guys that weren't drafted, so therefore aren't as good as the players that were here already with the Lake Monsters. And they're guys that are hanging on, that that have been cut, that have bounced around. Also then, not as good. I This is me. It's not everybody. I need to know that I'm watching good quality baseball with good quality players that have potential. When I go watch the Lake Monsters, yes, I am thinking, you know what? That third baseman, he might be an all-star someday. That left fielder might be an MVP. That guy might hit 40 home runs. That guy might win 20 games. Heck, this guy might go to the Hall of Fame. I like, when I'm watching a Lake Monsters game, I like to see the potential because the in my mind, I like knowing that what I'm watching might translate to a higher level and be special to the point where I can say, I saw that guy win. We all love those stories, right? You saw a player at Centennial Field and you're like, hey, that guy turned into X. I When I was I was working for the Tri-City Valley Cats, Michael Conforto was playing left field for the for the Brooklyn Cyclones. I now tell the story. Hey, Michael Conforto was there. J.D. Davis plays for the Mets. He played for the Valley Cats. Hey, I spoke with J.D. Davis. That stuff matters to me. That matters to people. And it matters to you, too. It might not matter in sports as much to you, but you all like the story of I saw that guy when. Hey, I saw Jerry Seinfeld do, comedian, do, do stand-up comedy at this dive bar, and then he made it big. Hey, I saw this band play in this awful place, and then they made it big. I've been on the bandwagon forever. We all like those stories. I like those stories. I like the Lake Monsters in part for that reason. College Baseball League, like the Mountaineers, like the team in Upper Valley, the Nighthawks, I want to see an NECBL team because I still get that feeling. I know they're not going to be as polished in some cases, but the potential is there for me to say in 10 years, I saw that guy win. I'll never forget that I went to a Hyannis Mets game in the Cape Cod League, and there was Ryan Garko, who ended up playing a couple of years in the majors for the Cleveland Indians. I'll never forget that. And that was, quote, just Ryan Garko. Imagine what it is a guy who turned into a Hall of Famer. There's a reason why I get told all the time, hey, Brady, I saw Ken Griffey Jr. play at Centennial Field because it mattered to you that he became something. Independent ball doesn't offer you that. It offers you guys that are looking for a chance. They're not as good, and they're off, they're not most of the time they're not going to get that chance. And I'm sorry for that. I want them to play. They should have a place to play. There should be independent baseball, but I'm less interested in it. And that's just me. And maybe I'm the only one. If you disagree with me, you can tweet me, at WDEV Radio Brady. Some of you, by the way, say you don't care about the quality of baseball. Eh, That's not true. I don't believe that. The quality matters to some degree. You don't come to my men's league games. 
You don't go to high school games. I haven't seen you at Norwich games or St. Michael's games. At some point, there's a threshold where the quality of play and the meaning of the games matter to you. Maybe for me, it's the difference between low A ball and an independent ball. For you, it might not matter as much as it does for me, but it's some somewhere in there within you is the quality of play matters, and the quality of play won't be as good. And by the way, I also have logistical questions about this because Kyle Glazer, Baseball America, we asked him, what's the financial difference between being an independent baseball team and being a minor league affiliate? Here's what he told us last week on this show. So minor league teams already have most of the operating costs. What being an affiliated team does is it means the players are paid by the major league team. The minor league team doesn't have to pay player salaries. That's the biggest expense. Uh, we at Baseball America have estimated that the cost of moving from affiliated ball to independent ball is an added expense of about three hundred dollars to $400,000 a year. So if the Lake Monsters go to an independent league team, Kyle Glazer, Baseball America, and Baseball America is all over this, he's telling you three hundred dollars to $400,000 more it costs. 